Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is Time to Adapt, the podcast where we take the books and look at the film adaptations. With me, as always, is the incredible Selena. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? I am doing good. I hate that it's snowing, but, you know, yeah. when people will hear this, it might not be snowing. But right now, at this moment, it's snowing, and I'm sad inside. We're recording this on April 14th, and there's a massive snowstorm that is ravaging Milwaukee. Tears. It's funny, Just... because last year, on April 14th, I think, it also snowed like crazy. It did. Yes, it's a curse. What's the uh, oh, X-Files theme? <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> I don't want to do it online because we might get like taken down. But yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Mark Snow intensifies. <laughs> so today we're going to be continuing with our Shakespeare adaptations. We've kind of, we've done a few in the past. Um, we did, uh, oh my gosh, Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, and Macbeth. And Macbeth. So we're going to be talking about Othello today because... It's sad outside, so why not talk about a sad film? I'm um, not uh, sad film, sad, sad tragedy, sad tragedy. <laughs> Probably, uh, sad I don't play. think it's the saddest of it's all not of the Shakespeare's saddest. because, no. like, in like in this one, I mean, at the end, it's sad. The, at the bad end. people get their just desserts, but still, everybody dies. But I mean, that's just the way tragedies worked back then. Everybody died. Everybody, it's you know, an easing, easy for them to just be like, okay, everyone died. That's the end of the play. Go yeah. home now. Basically. So, yeah, so Othello, for those who aren't, who don't really know the plot of Othello, Othello begins in Venice, that's where it's set, and we're introduced to two characters, uh, Rodrigo, who's a rich man, and Iago, who is Othello's, like, uh, underling, I guess, mm-hmm. that is a good word for it, um, and Rodrigo is compl- uh, complains to Iago that... Uh, he just found out that Desdemona, who is the daughter of like a wealthy senator, married Othello in secret. And he was like, but I wanted to wed her. So Iago comes up with an idea of a way to basically bring down Othello because Iago's a salty bitch and he doesn't. Also, he's like racist. By the way, Othello is black. Um, yeah. He's what they call, he's, it's one of the subtitles for the play is the, the Tragedy of Othello or the Moor of Venice. And what I didn't realize, and I feel kind of stupid for not knowing this, the re, the moor, the word moor was, of course, it was slang back then for black person because moor meant Moroccan. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Well, so when they say they were moor, it was people of Moroccan descent. Okay. So because yeah. they were, they would come through um, during the... During like from the Roman Empire into the like fourteen fifteen hundreds, uh, Morocco was kind of a more cultured and cosmopolitan area of northern Africa, and so through there, that's how we got to. <clears throat> that's how it got to the, got to the point when he was in like Venice and oh, gosh, history, yeah, history, <laughs> yeah. So basically. Um... Iago plans to turn Othello against uh, an experienced his, his wife and uh, this inexperienced soldier that Othello is favoring at the moment called Cassio. So as the play progresses, Iago manipulates events to where he plays on uh, Othello's jealousy 
and makes him believe that Desdemona and uh, Cassio, Cassio are um, lovers to the point where uh, Othello comes back from the war, like, infuriated and murders his wife. Um, and then Amelia, who we met in Act 4, says, you big dummy, she weren't no whore. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I've been like... There's an Othello rap, and that's been stuck in my head, and I just had I had to throw it in because you know nerd reasons. Of course, of course. <laughs> so uh, Othello is just like, "Holy shit, what have I done?" And he kills himself. And yeah, and then Amelia, she basically outs the whole thing, and as Max said earlier, the bad guys get their just desserts. So that's a quick little synopsis of the play but mm-hmm. yeah so how did how what was your first experience uh how did you get introduced to the play um there are two that really stick stick out um first was in the early 2000s there was a, a poster for the movie oh which came out in um 2001 it was supposed to be released in april of 1999 however like two weeks before the official premiere the columbine school shootings happened and because it takes Othello and sets it in a in a um, inner city high school, and the fact that you know everybody dies at the end, it like the the um, producers decided to hold it off and release it in two thousand one. It's a it's a pretty good interesting little movie. Um, it's not like a full on uh, like adaptation because they the, none none of the original text. It's like it's all modernized, but it's the same basic story of. Um, I would say that would still count as an adaptation. Yeah. Adaptation, yeah. like, like she's the man is is an adaptation, adaptation of Twelfth Night. Of yeah, Twelfth Night, but it isn't you know word for word. Mm-hmm. Which that's another one we'll talk about probably at a later date. Oh yeah, <laughs> we were planning on having two episodes out about this in April, but with time problems, we're just going to have to move our last Shakespeare one to some point, maybe over the summer. So. Yeah, any any time is good for Shakespeare. Absolutely. And the other <laughs> the other way I got into it, and oddly enough, Othello is probably one of the one of the Shakespeare plays I'm the most versed in. And that's because I had to study it for one of my uh, freshman theater classes. And our teacher, shout out Richard Gustin, the man, he's the man. Um he took us to a Milwaukee Repertory Theater production of Othello that was put on in 2012, I believe, April or March or April of 2012. And what made it intri- what made it intriguing was that they had set it up in like a Sons of Anarchy type of situation. So, like there was the uh, the Venetians and the Turks. Instead, they were biker they were rival biker gangs. That's awesome. And it was I mean, it's cool when you're hearing Shakespeare being like this awesome Shakespeare stuff being thrown at you. And then suddenly like in between scene changes, they're playing like Motley Crue and they're playing (laughs) some like Motorhead and stuff. And I'm like, I'm for this. This is really cool. So it was a really unique way to look at the performance. And it was one of the first performances I ever saw that kind of opened me up to like how incredible it is that we can still make Shakespeare relevant to this day mm. so i had a lot of respect for that and that was one of like the coolest um performances i ever got to see and what's interesting is the um 
the actor who played Othello, Lindsay Smiley, I believe his name was, um, he did a interview on NPR and he talked about him doing the show and all the things he had learned about it and how Othello is, of course, it's probably one of the most controversial of all Shakespeare plays in the modern text, modern terms, because of the fact that for over, what, 300, 400 years, it was almost always expected that Othello was played by a man in blackface. Yeah. Even though it was about a black... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You and I, actually, we saw a play Uh, Here at the, at UWM, um, oh, what was it called? Um... Why do I want to say Red Velvet? That's it not... was called Red Velvet. It was? Yeah. Okay. It was called Red Velvet, and it was about the first African-American actor to play Othello. So, like, the first black man to play Othello. And there's, like, a um, whole sequence where he reads a, a, a scathing review about how he, how a black man should not play Othello because he's not cultured enough. And it's, like, shocking but also, that's the way people were. People thought back then. Shame on you, old people, for thinking <laughs> that shit. How dare you? Yeah. But it was a really fascinating play. Um, About a fascinating play. <laughs> yeah. And the controversies that have followed it, uh, or just the push and pull. Yeah. But I guess my first intro to the play, I watched uh, some of my friends in high school were part of the Young Shakespeare Players in Madison. Mm-hmm. And so they put on a production of that. And the thing about young Shakespeare players is like children from the age of like six and to like uh, 18 can be in the same production. So it was a little, it's a little interesting, Uh, but it was actually really good. It was, uh, I just remember being like, oh, wow, this is actually really, I'm really enjoying this. Like, there are a few kids who are super nervous where you're just like, I can't hear any of your lines, but that's okay. You're doing, you're doing your thing. But, um, my friend at the time, she played Othello, uh, and she, like, she'd been acting for a while. So she did it. She knocked it out of the park. But I just remember being like, damn, this story, like, first of all, if he had just communicated, this is another thing with like, where, like how I felt about, um, communication. Uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> How I felt about oh my uh, much to do about nothing like communication everything would have been solved everything with communication would have been solved with communication but no anyways and also there are some <laughs> rather I mean there are the two big rather disturbing parts about the play which is of course slut shaming mm-hmm. which makes up a good good part of it and it's really interesting how relevant this play still is or just like how or it's interesting how. Um, people are portrayed in and how like the reactions and it's still relatively there's not not a lot has changed in some ways so like uh othello his character was is written as super jealous and like you know anything could happen but that's kind of been like how i guess black men have been portrayed to in a lot of stories and films and whatever but yeah, it's it's an interesting play, and I I don't know. We'll probably we'll get into that a bit more when we're talking about the adaptations in film and yeah. just and like of course how... the other big one is probably the um I had it on my my tip my tongue a minute ago um, honor killings 
yeah. and how th- those two things, slut shaming, honor killings, kind of ran the world back in the 1500s. Well, there's still a lot and of still, that. And still, it still does, still, still pretty hardcore, but yeah. even more so back then. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know. It's in, it's out of the tragedies. It's an interesting one. Like each of the tragedies are different clearly and um but for this one it's just like you see this disintegration of like trust and just um the vilification of this woman who clearly just did nothing she's just chilling the entire place she's (laughs) She's just just chilling chilling. and And then the men around her are freaking the fuck out i thought was like (laughs) yo i think you're cheating on me and she's like what no he's like, he's like so i'm gonna kill you now <laughs> and she's like what no and then Nathel kills him and kills her and she's like he's like oh no <laughs> and then he finds out iago was behind behind it all and he's like oh no and then he kills himself and everyone else goes oh no yeah so that Othello was a nutshell <laughs> um but yeah it's of all of like the tragedies i think it's definitely, I feel, one of the more devastating regarding, like, in, in Shakespeare, in Shakespearean terms. I mean, obviously, you could say, like, Romeo and Juliet had the more tragic ending because they both died. Like, oh no, my they God. were two Romeo horny and, twins I'm who... so over Romeo and Juliet. We, we could talk about that one on another podcast, but, like, for real... Quite so, quite so. That's going to come get up over soon. them. Like, they're annoying. He was 30 years old. It's, like... I remember... And she was, like, what, 12? She was 13. Well, we'll get into that when we do yeah. Romeo and Juliet. I will pull up the text. I will post, be like, see, it says he is 30. She will get the receipts. <laughs> I will get the receipts. <laughs> so anyway, on top of this, um, it's important to know about all of the different adaptations that have come from Othello because there are there are many. It's actually one of the more, because of the whole um, political stance that it, it has, it's been one well, not of not really. It's not more of like, like the social, the social commentary. Thank social you. Social commentary because it is basically like this black man is being torn down by the white people around him. Yes. <laughs> so, um. but then just like the history of the how um, this was presented on stage and then in film and early film and how race is still such a big part of our everyday. Like racism is still part of our everyday. Yeah. So it's it's a story that kind of can transcend. Yeah. So because of that, it's become one of the most like redone shows of all of Shakespeare's works. And like for example, I can't remember what year. I'm trying to pull it up right now, but the um, one of the first when one of the first ever Shakespearean productions that were that was done in India when it was under British rule. Was of Othello. And on top of that, as I read here, the uh, one of those one of the easiest ways to teach English to to Indian people at the time was because they would teach through them Shakespeare? Sh- through Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. I like English by itself as a language is nonsense. So just, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so trying to teach it. So Shakespeare just seems like a hurdle. But, you know, I'm like, yeah, for me, that would be a hurdle. <laughs> yeah. So besides film and besides film adaptations, there's also one of the big adaptations is Otello, which is the Italian opera by Verdi, which is basically 
an operatic version of Othello. Very popular and very it, it famous. It lends itself to an opera. It's very yeah. dramatic. I believe it was done as an opera also. like it's Oh, Rossini. Rossini did a version of, of Othello also at one point. So, But on top of that, I always say that, on top of that. <laughs> on top of that, no. Take a drink every time Max is on top of that. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> we're going to die. So, let's get into a couple of the adaptations. So, the big ones are pro- the, of the biggest ones. The one that like probably started it all, whether in like ones that were taken seriously on film, was Orson Welles's Othello in 1951. Now, at this point, Orson Welles was ex- was kind of self-imposed, exiled himself into Europe because he was tired of Hollywood messing with his films. And he just wanted to make what he wanted to make. So he would do acting jobs on the side to help finance his own films. One of those was Othello. Now, as always, something went wrong with Orson Welles' productions. If you know anything about Orson Welles and his movies, you know for a fact that like half of his movies almost never got made because funding ran out. Because everybody thought he was kind of crazy. He kind of was crazy. He was. like, But he's also real. from Kenosha, so I can't hate on him. But he was like a call a spade a spade. He was a little crazy. I'm yeah. <laughs> but even like some of the most brilliant people are a little mad. Yeah. But anyway, I'm like I'm I'm, I'm like a huge Wells apologist. I will, <laughs> I will. I know he murdered the, a person, but I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kind of. So he started World War II. I mean, I basically. Okay. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I mean, y'all, like, last year I went as him for Halloween, for God's sake. I just, like, I put on a black suit and carried a cigar and a bottle of champagne everywhere. Oh, the French champagne. (laughs) That's my Orson Welles impression, everyone. (laughs) Thank you. So, lots of issues happened during production. Among them, one of the main producers literally on, like, day three of shooting was like, Hi. I don't have any money anymore. Bye. <laughs> so Wells almost immediately took it upon himself to start doing a couple more acting gigs and putting his own money into the production. So this one won the Palme d'Or at the 1952 Cannes Film Festival and was distributed by United Artists. However, United Artists only ever del- only was ever able to show it in America three years later in 1955 when they did they cut out a bunch of stuff not like a ton but they cut out about three to four minutes that wells himself was like okay i guess you can cut this or you can do that or all right you can trim that scene there and they fixed some dubbing on some of it because at the time that they shot this this was back in the in the days when they would literally adr everything so they would act out a scene and then or the adr when they were like on location, because they shot the whole thing in Venice, which is really amazing. Because when you're watching it in, you're watching it, you're like, this is exactly where Shakespeare was planning, what was expected the characters to be, and it's 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 Venice. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I need to go to Venice, Selena. We're gonna go to Venice. I've been to Venice. I'd go back. Right on. <laughs> we're going. Some point. It's a beautiful place. Either tomorrow or in like thirty years. We'll see. When anyway, I have money. <laughs> when I have money and I'm done paying off my student loans. But yes, so 
It, Othello was so this version was filmed over a three year period. In oddly enough, it was filmed in Venice, also in Morocco and Tuscany, and in Rome at the Scarretta Studios, which is really huge in Italian cinema. It's where like a bunch of Fellini stuff was shot. So, <clears throat> of course, there's blackface. There's yeah. Orson Welles in blackface. It's okay. It's not. It's not great. It for like yeah, blackface is horrible. But out of the other fellow blackface pictures that I've seen, I'm like, it's the tamest. Yeah, which is not excusing it. It's just yeah. like there are some really hor- horrific examples out there, and he just looks like he got a really bad tan, like one of those like yeah, you know, people on the only way is Essex, but they're like orange. Yeah. But since it's a black and white, you can't really tell. But I feel like he was like that kind of shade. <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah, it just looks, it's cringy. Yeah. So for a while, the film kind of disappeared from the from the public. And there was a restoration that was supervised by Orson Welles' daughter, Beatrice, in 1992, I believe. Or 1993, something like that. And... It got some kind of got some controversy because people, some of the um, Wells Orson Wells scholars thought it didn't do it didn't do justice or like it was it didn't look good enough. So of course that version, which they tried to release on home video, and Beatrice Wells stopped it from being from being put out. And it wasn't until around it was a nineteen ninety two restoration. It wasn't until twenty seventeen when. The Criterion Collection was able to put out Othello for the first time in the, for the first time in a very long time, and there are. After I watched it, it's the way it's shot. It's clear they there was only like certain days that they could shoot certain stuff, and you can tell which days like are there, what, what things are match cuts or is stuff that's only there because they. Like that's a stand-in. You can tell there are it scenes. It felt when, like patchwork, kind of like. Yeah, and like again, he made his movie. I cannot shit on it for doing exactly what he intended to do. That being said, the last twenty minutes is fantastic because so it's, watch it for the last twenty minutes. Folks. I I mean, like <laughs> that's the one thing about Othello is that I think none of it is really super interesting until like the final oh, yeah. act. It's so okay. It's so talkative. It there's so much like oh my gosh, so we're gonna do X, Y, and Z. So then he thinks that she's cheating on him and then it's like then they talk about it. And then they'll place the handkerchief. And then they're like, oh my God, let's talk about that. And then yeah. it's Desdemona being like, la la la, I'm going about my life. <laughs> Isn't it great that I secretly married this black man? Oh my God. And <laughs> and then her friend Amelia is like, oh my God, yes. It's totally cool that you like secured that dick. And, <laughs> and then they're just like happy. And then all the men are just like. <laughs> yeah. So basically. that's basically, basically the play. And then finally at the end, it's like. Shit's happening. The handkerchief is found. Othello comes back and he's grumpy. And then and he he's like angry. Wife. And then she murders her. And then everything is revealed. And yeah. So yeah. it's unlike Hamlet where it's like there's progression of just like crazy throughout where it kind of keeps you like there's a lot of talking in Hamlet, but there's like shit going on. Yeah. Throughout like Othello is definitely I and that's. I'm not saying I don't enjoy that play, 
Like I base, I said before I enjoyed it. Yeah. But, uh, it's definitely more interesting towards the end. Yeah. But. Okay. Well, the other big ones of the other big versions of Othello, one of the other big ones was Lawrence Olivier's Othello from 1965. Oh my God. The We're going to have fun with this one. Okay. Oh, it's horrific. Like, this is, he looks like he fell in a puddle of black paint and just stood up. It's like <laughs> they blacked him up so much. It's just like egregious. Yeah. It's a sin against humanity. So it's, yeah. Like, so on top not that, that. All other black face is bearable, but yeah. it's just like, it's that example of it was just like, I don't know, just more. Yeah. Let's do more, more. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's just do more. Let's just do more. So Olivier. <laughs> and the, he looks like a shadow. Looks like a shadow. <laughs> With like eyeballs and like a mouth. It's terrifying. But what should be stated here is the fact that like Lawrence Olivier is probably one of the most famous stage actors as well as just like film actors. When he did the role, he adopted an exotic accent of his own invention. He developed a special walk. He learned how to speak in a voice that was way deeper than his normal one. And <laughs> so when you look at that and like when you like see him on stage, he is a force to be reckoned with. So on all of those fronts, it's great. That being said, <laughs> he looks like it's horrific. He looks like one of those ragtime blackface characters from like the, a 1910 vaudeville show. It is. Oh yeah. It's ridiculous. Like straight out of birth of a nation. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, Whoa, fuck. And at one point I and believe. He's playing a, a, and Maggie Smith is uh Desdemona. In that. Maggie Smith. Yes. The poster. Like, I don't know how, like how it's lit and what it looks like. He just looks green. <laughs> <laughs> and then Maggie Smith is just like the whitest of white. So it's just, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, as like someone like kind of looking back at those older films, like it really plays upon just like the big black man who will takes this white woman. Yeah. You know, it kind of plays it kinda, on the racial play, stereotypes. It plays on that racial stereotype, which was probably like just as like prevalent in, the 1600s when Shakespeare wrote like well he didn't really write this no (laughs) he he adapted this from a play that was already um around or um called oh I it's it was like a an Italian play that Mm -hmm. was popular at the time because I feel as we said and I think our first Shakespeare episode Shakespeare borrowed a lot of tropes and borrowed plays yep um, so Othello isn't of his own creation. It's heavily based off of this. It was a popular Italian play at the time. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it's, yeah, well, looking at all those older, like film adaptations, it's just, it's very, it's a very visual, clear thing. That's like the, the fear of the black man yeah. with power. And um, the character itself kind of falls into some stereotypes, too. Just like yeah. how instead of, you know, being a human being, he's like a 
this talented like war chief dude you all general and just like power and instead of talking with desdemona he just kills her yeah and it's like that fear of the black man's gonna kill the white women yeah so othello in is a little you know it's got a complex complicated history but the thing that's interesting that i find interesting about the story is just newer adaptations and how they're looking at that because it does deal with racism like iago is clearly fucking hates uh, Othello because he's black and because he passed him over and so it's interesting how newer adaptations are kind of looking at it that way and trying to kind of strip Othello away from uh, these age old stereotypes yes absolutely we'll be right back after a moment after a little break yes welcome back everybody so where we left off um yeah so that Lawrence Olivier one fucked up but yeah uh the there was one with Lawrence Fishburne in 1995 where it, I I feel like Mac and I have talked about it and kind of fixed the problems that we yes. kind of addressed before as uh what a lot of the older adaptations of Othello kind of stumble into yes and what I find what has kind of made me interested in these adaptations are the newer ones and kind of how they address those problems so yeah so what makes this great first of all this is the first like major studio backed Othello adaptation where a black man is playing Othello Mind He's you, played this by. This is 95. So, <laughs> this is how freaking you know. long it took people. Granted, like on stage, uh, I there had been black actors who had, you know, been Othello. Yeah. Um, before that, but. Absolutely. For film. For film, it's a pretty big deal. It took some time. So, oddly enough, this is. So, Lawrence Fishburne is playing Othello in this one. Also, Kenneth Branagh is playing Iago. So, Ooh. oh yeah, okay. I'm coming back to me. Yeah, I watched this one a while ago. <laughs> yeah. So first, I don't think we really talked about that a lot earlier. Was that like Iago is probably one of the best villains Shakespeare ever came up with. Oh, he's totally despicable. Disp- totally. But Vile, he's like wicked. But the but how he conducts his evil, he he isn't like blind and just like rages about. He manipulates everyone around him to yeah. do his bidding. Yes. Uh, so he's very much kind of like a spider in that way where he's just like, you'll do my bidding. Yeah. <laughs> my web of lies. Okay, you know? <laughs> there is one great line that, like the way Brana delivers it, it's great. It's an old, it's one, ba- it's basically a, it's a joke, it's a joke that they yell at one person about, in about, um about sex. And it's when he yells, even now, a great black ram is ramming into your, into your daughter, and then another one where he makes a reference to he calls sex the beast with two backs. Oh yeah, the and famous. I love that so much. That's a famous uh, Shakespeare. Yep, thing. I love it so much, and this the way Brana delivers the line is great. Mm-hmm. So what makes this version, I think, the best is for one, there are some creative liberties, but they work. For example, they have a lot. They have a flashback. So a flashback where Desdemona meets Othello for the first time, 
and it's really well done. Cause, yeah, because we again, don't we don't in the and the actual play we don't see that. Like when we're introduced to Othello and Desmona, they've already been they've already eloped. Yes, and they're just like because they elope before he goes off to war. So yes. they marry. They don't even have like they don't even have the time to you know get it on, and he's gone. Yeah, and in this one. It's more abundantly clear. Oh, they fucked. They fucked. There's a whole scene. And all that's missing is like a saxophone solo in it. But it is. I mean, it's great because Lawrence Fishburne just he delivers the lines so great. I fucking love Lawrence Fishburne. It's 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 amazing. And what's great is this was um the only other time he had done Shakespeare was when he played Hamlet in like high school. So pretty great. So this was the only Kenneth Branagh involved Shakespeare film that he did not direct in the 90s. Oh, yeah. No, and most Brown are like getting his hands in all them pies. The oh, Shakespeare yeah. Pies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what makes it more interesting, what makes it great is like the problem with the Orson Welles Othello is that there's just a lot of talking and there's not a lot of like, oh, this is when this is happening or oh, this is happening. There's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of action. In this one, there's a ton of action and there's a ton of like reactions. So, for example, when Iago starts manipulating Othello and making him think that his wife is unfaithful. It cuts to Othello thinking about it. And then like him ima- him imagining Desdemona with Cassio and him imagining just being like pushed to the side for the entire thing and how how that psychologically manipulates him. I don't say it's I don't think it's it doesn't like say, oh, this is why it doesn't like ugh. words are hard right now. Oi. It doesn't do just it doesn't justify what he does, but it definitely like makes a lot more sense as to why he ends up doing what he does. Yeah, it kind of it doesn't really paint him as this one paints like, him very charismatic. Like it's like yeah. none of the whole manipulating starts until like 35 minutes into the movie. And it kind of gives the audience a chance to just like not be like Oh, he's just a super jealous man. It, yeah. it kind of ease. He's you can you see the manipulation where it's like at first he's like nah 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 like we're good yeah like, we're tight you know and then Iago's like but are you <gasps> but are you basically and, basically and then you kind of see that tear down you know his confidence and his yeah. trust so that's kind of what I enjoyed about this version where it was like. He's not just like a like an aggressive like he's not just portrayed as an aggressive like jealous black man, you know. Yeah. Like he's there's portrayed more nuance. As, he's there's portrayed nuance. very human and like there's a little bit also that kind of goes into like the background of the handkerchief, which is you know one of the the main things one That's, of the main MacGuffins kind of of the sh- of the of the show. Yeah. Um I'm not sure if it was really explained well earlier but gonna do it now um the handkerchief that we keep referencing um for those who don't know the play um iago has it so that desdemona's handkerchief uh that i believe was given by othello to her is placed in cassio's like apartment to like suggest that you know they got it on um so that's like the evidence that Iago like manipulate like manipulates. So then Othello is convinced. That's like the final thing that 
you know, convinces him like, oh, my God, it's actually happening. Mm. So And so, again, Lawrence Fishburne does a great job with this role. And part of it is that because it makes Othello into a far more charismatic person. And you can, like, it shows that, you know, like, he's... Of course, you know he's a big war character. He's a big, mm-hmm. he's a big, he's a famous soldier. He's a famous, was he like a general? I he's a general. He's a general, and in like all the past adaptations, it's like implied like he just walks into the room like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. Where in this one, it's kind of more of, it's not like his body language doesn't give it off, but just his vocal performance and the way that he just he he's able to work the crowd with the way he speaks. Which is a lot, which is really great. And then, of course, the big scene at the very, one at the very beginning when Desdemona's father um, confronts Othello and is like, how dare you wed my, how dare you kidnap my wife and force her to marry you? Wife and then, daughter. And then, it's my daughter, sorry. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> you kidnapped my wife, daughter. <laughs> you kidnapped my wife. <laughs> anyway. <So. laughs> and then, like, Othello just walks in. He's like, yeah, yeah, I married your daughter. How about what we hear from it? What of it? Here, he basically does what of it. Talk here. Talk, why don't you talk to her about it? And then she comes in. And she's like, yeah, I like him. He's hot. <laughs> don't you want to fuck Lawrence Fishburne too? Well, and then it's everyone more emotional else in, than that. I like, know. She's like, I love him. You know, but. Basically. That's, <laughs> that's basically it. That's basically it. Yeah. So. I thought so. Even though that Othello version didn't, it didn't do super well at the box office. I really think it's super underappreciated, and it might be my. I think it's one of my favorite adaptations of Shakespeare because it doesn't do anything really different, like scene, scene, scenery wise. It's still set in Venice. It does a better job, I think, of location, like using this location to an advantage than the Orson Welles version does. And just the way it's acted, is it it act it's acted a lot better, and the characters have more depth. Which that's what I would agree. I would like out of all the adaptations that we've kind of like touched on today, uh, the Lawrence Fishburne nineteen ninety five version is definitely a good place to start because yes. you see the characters with depth, as Mac was saying, and like they're human beings. And whereas the other versions are, I guess, more. I guess traditional and how they approach yes. like adapting it to film. It's so goddamn wordy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it, like it, I feel like the Lawrence Fishburne one works better because it is more engaging. Yes. And, uh, not that the power of words can't, you know, compel words, you. Words, words, But, Yes. I feel like it does a better job of balancing how wordy the actual, like, material is. Yeah. And, like, showing enough action to be like, see, this is why, you know, this guy's mad. This is why, you know, he does this, you know. This is why she, you know. So, yeah. So, on top of that, we're going to wrap it up pretty quickly. But I wanted to touch base with one adaptation that I think is really also is underrated and that is O. O came out in 2001. I think I kind of I, th- I may have talked about this a little earlier yeah, on the show. About it. Um it's a really good um like modern modern version. So the text has been changed and all that all that stuff. And it just sets the whole thing in a high school and it's 
It's directed by Tim Blake Nelson. It stars Mickey Pfeiffer as the care as the main character, whom his name is um, Odin James in this one, and Josh Hardnett is Hugo Golding Iago, and Julia Stiles is Desi Barbie Desdemona. Desi last... Barbie. Oh, Desi Brab Desi Brabble. Sorry. Oh, I was. How did say I mess Barbie. that up? That's unfortunate. Oy vey. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, Martin Sheen's character is basically, like, the Duke of Venice. So, it's it's good. Um, worth looking for, because it's not, it's not readily available that much anymore. But it's still worth checking out. It's I think it's sort of like... like if you're not looking for a super traditional adaptation where it's, like, you kind of want the core of the story. Yeah. It's a good avenue. That's a good out. one for it. And it's sort of like... It's sort of like if... It's like a Baz Luhrmann production, not done by Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> In the sense that, like, it tries to be, it, it's a more gritty and, but still has to have the same type of Romeo and Juliet type soundtrack where it's just kind of like a mixture of all sorts of jukeboxy kind of music all at once. So, but it's good. Um, worth checking out. But, so, I'm going to leave Selena for this little bit at the very end because no i actually no (laughs) (laughs) i can't i was gonna talk a little bit about the reduced shakespeare players because i'm fucking love them such a fucking nerd so they did um their whole show is basically the reduced shakespeare like shakespeare abridged um so they'll they have it's like three dudes and they perform all of the Shakespeare player uh, Shakespeare plays, but a bridge. So how they did Othello uh, was they created a rap for it because they're like, well, we can't act it out because we're racially <laughs> we're racially challenged, as they said. Yes. Um, but yeah, they did a whole rap on it um, where it's like, here's a story of a brother by the name of Othello. He liked white women and he ate green jello. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how it devolves but it's the whole plot and does a damn good job of doing it too does a good yeah but so i've had the part stuck in my head where it was like um oh let me see but uh, yeah so my the head the thing that i've had stuck in my head all day was but there's amelia at the door who we met in act four who says you big dummy she weren't no whore <laughs> She was pure. She was clean. She was virginal too. So why'd you gotta have make her face turn blue? Jesus and that's Christ. just going going on in my head. So I might be going crazy, but it's okay. Yeah, we're all going crazy. <laughs> anyway, anyways, I'm gonna leave you with that because now that I've embarrassed myself on the podcast, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just dip out now, guys. <laughs> well. Folks, it's been it's been great. Um, yeah, we, I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed doing this. Um, it was a lot of fun to do research. It was not fun looking at all all the famous white people playing Othello, and you're just like, it's oh, actually kind God. of hilarious. It is just, funny. They they just look so ridiculous. Like obviously, it's a it's such a it's like a terrible thing, but it's kind of just funny how ridiculous they look. Yes. They just look stupid. But. It's, it's ridiculous, especially you, Lawrence Olivier. Deep, it's like like in the heavens, she's just like, are they talking about me? How dare they? But yeah, Mac and I always love talking about Shakespeare. Shakespeare's our shit. Yeah, basically. Shakespeare's a shit. So yeah. Uh, so until next time, this has been Time to Adapt.
Thanks for listening. And also, I would like to make it a, make it a point to mention once again our Gmail account. We have a we have a Gmail account right now, and we would love to hear what you had to say about some of these adaptations we're talking about. And even if you just want to like say, "Hey, we're listeners. We're big fans. We like what you do." Please do. It makes us feel really good. And maybe if you got you got an adaptation or two you you want to talk you want us to talk about or a book that you love and there's a movie version you hate. We want to hear about it. Percy maybe Jackson. we'll talk about it. <laughs> we're gonna do Percy Jackson soon. I'm not excited because I know. I know also how Selena's going to be because that one pissed me off, but his dark materials, his dark materials, HBO coming out. Got Ooh. hope. And on that note, we have to go because we're going to go watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> so once again, thanks everyone for listening. And it's been time to adapt. Have a good day. <laughs> good day. <laughs>